Hello, and welcome to Supex Radio, a weekly talk show that is devoted to startup and early-stage entrepreneurship, venture investing, and, in general, small businesses. And for more information, including our past broadcasts, future episodes, and our radio network affiliates, please visit our website, www.sup-x.org. And remember to follow us on Twitter, at the Supex. That's at T-H-E-S-U-P-X. And we're also in the iTunes store now. You can see all of our past uh, podcasts. Uh, just search for Supex, S-U-P-X. So I'm really excited to say that today our guest is Tatyana Klatskova, who is the investor chair of the Western Division of Clean Tech Open. Tatyana came all the way across the country and spoke at Supex in Fort Lauderdale, uh, earlier this year, and it was awesome to have her participate, and we're so glad to have her as a guest today. Welcome, Tatiana. Thank you, Bob. So, Hello, everyone. <laughs> so uh, I'll ask our most basic of questions, and that is, what is Clean Tech Open? We are the biggest and oldest clean technology accelerator in the United States, and as far as I know, also in the uh, world. We got founded in 2005, and since then, our alumni have raised more than $1.2 billion. We have accelerated 1,200-plus companies, and... Um, we don't have the exact percentage, but the majority of them are still in business. Over a billion dollars. Yeah, 1.2. And um, you have to say, we are a nonprofit. While our companies are doing great, we're not, we as an organization, we're still, you know, as a nonprofit, the access to money for us is not, you know, necessarily that easy, but our alumni are doing great. So you don't take a little sliver there as part of the acceleration process? We do not process? take. No, we actually, we have, um, there is a small, really small application fee. And then if the company gets accepted, we take a participation fee, but it's, a, it's a, I think it's, it's about, it's $1,200, which is for six months. And uh, we don't take no equity, no percentage of your funding. You are not diluted in any way. As a company. Well, before we dive in, I mean, that just kind of uh, begs the question. So how do you guys get funded? I mean, um, do you have somebody yes. who's on the staff who's a fundraiser and you go out and get corporate sponsorships all over the yes. country? Or Yes. So we're looking for, we're always looking for corporate sponsorship. We're looking for partnerships. So we, what for any kind of private donation, but historically it's been corporate sponsorship. Uh, and we'll move on in a second. Out of curiosity, for people that are listening that are interested in getting organization involved in the organization as specifically as a sponsor, would they contact you or would they contact somebody else at the organization? Um, you know, they just can contact me and okay. I will forward them to the right people because it also will depend on whether they would like to get involved on a regional level. Then we'll connect them to the appropriate region. We have eight sub offices all over the United States, or they would like to get involved with us on a headquarters level, in, in which case I'll connect them to the right people as well. Great. I'll ask this question again at the end, but uh, do you mind going ahead and telling people how they get in touch with you? Um, yes. Um, email is probably the best. So it's T and then my last name, T. Kletskova at cleantechopen.org. And that's uh, K-L-E-T-S-K-O-V-A? 
Yes. Okay, so T. Kletzkova, okay. T. Kletzkova, yes. Super. So uh, back to the accelerator itself. So uh, you've been around, you said, since 2005. How many cohorts do you have a year? We have only one. We start in um, – so the application is accepted through like first – like the deadline is usually May 1st. Sometimes mm -hmm. it gets shifted, but it's let's say May 1st. And then the graduations are in November. And do you do those in all your eight sub-regions that you – Yes. Okay. Yes. It is timed um, at the same time. Yes. So by the graduation, because we when we do the winners, the winners are chosen globally as well as regionally. And you said you had eight sub-offices in the United States. Yes. How, um, how many total offices do you have around the world? Well, we have one big – uh, well, kind of, we have one big program of global ideas, and we also partner, that's internationally, with um, uh, Global Entrepreneurship Week. Mm -hmm. um, so we have accepted applications. We have accepted startups from actually all over the world. We have uh, startups from Africa. We have startups from all over Europe. We have startups. We have a very, very active connection with India, our um, international uh, office is headed, well, it's kind of international division is headed by Kevin Breathwaite. Mm -hmm. He's been with the program since, I think, the very, very early. Um, and he now works with Chloe Sorork. I'm not quite sure pronouncing her name correctly. It's it's a very international organization. So, And is, is, is this a physical accelerator did, or is it a virtual accelerator? Um, yes and yes. Um, so the majority, <laughs> well, it's kind of the majority of our program does happen online. Okay. However, uh, we do have a couple. There are two things that make it more local. One is um, there are there are two two dates. Sort of, it's two weekends mm -hmm. of their national academies when the teams are expected to be together they mix they meet they meet uh you know people they work with and they go through extensive educational program then most of the program happens on online mm -hmm. and then they come again for the um for the judging they however they are paired locally with mentors the strength of our organization is an amazing um mentorship uh program and uh, each team is partnered with um, at least one general mentor which is usually a, a business but depending on the how strong is uh, the local office they can get two or sometimes three mentors on general but they also get assigned a specific expert on whatever they're working on in the moment. And those changed. Like if they move through, you know, technology validation to they they do now have to do more customer acquisition, then the the, the specialty mentor will be switched. Very cool. And so it's one cohort, it's mainly virtual. Uh, and how many companies typically apply and what, you know, how many typically get accepted? I'm sure it varies by year, but... 
Um, it varies by year. It also varies by um, location, by the office. So apparently, like I've, I've talked to people, so apparently our acceptance rate is about 50%, but there is something um, you need to know. We don't actually advise people sort of lightly to apply before they apply they talk to us so we can help them decide like how fitting they are so actually the acceptance rate is probably it might be lo like lower but we are very selective about like we need to know that the program will work for you as much as you know it will it will will be good for you as a startup so essentially um, you essentially pre-screen them and we pre-screen okay yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah because you know we don't want like we want you to be fully satisfied with the program and our experience so i do know that on average we have about i think a hundred plus startups that graduate in the u.s um, so I do know that this year Northeastern division have already accepted that have accepted and they had the mixer for, uh, 35 teams. Mm -hmm. Um, I know the Western division were like in the early thirties, but we're still finishing up the decision process. So, but somewhere between 35 and 30, um, those are two biggest divisions. What's your attrition rate like out of curiosity? Do you know? Um, it's actually pretty low, and majority of our people um, get attrition because if they get funded, because but without the funding, so there is like a limitation on how much you can be funded externally to go through the program. Also, that has changed and shifted up. What's that number so, now? Um, it used to be a million externally, and I think it's now. It will actually depend on the. Um, on the vertical, oh, okay. because in some verticals, it's uh, let's say in transportation, it's really hard it's so to go with like yeah, yeah it's you very very yeah. you need more money. So um, you know it it will it depend on the vertical, on where the startup is located, on what exactly you know their technology is. So so. Uh, I'm, it's a, uh, what I want to ask you is what's the program like, but if it's mainly virtual, do you pick different modules based on your vertical or is it fairly structured? So there is a part that is fairly structured. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but the part that does depend on technology is, let's say, if we, if you as a, as a startup need to go through technology validation, we have strong partnerships with technology organizations, including many national labs, for example, including many universities. So like and, and like part of it is like, well, you know, it's a general, right? It's, it's a general thing, the technology validation, but you have to go and work on your specific technology, right? So it, it's, it's, it's both general and specific, you know, it, it's, it gets specified as it travels to you. Like as you work with your, uh, with your technology, and um, as you work with your mentors on on your uh, business strategy, on whether you stay as you are or pivot with the specific customers, at least for the well-being for the for the alpha or what, like like what are you going through, mm -hmm. will modify the structure of the program to a degree. And at the end, uh, describe the the competition a little bit so we uh first it happens on the regional levels each uh region has 
the mentors and also often partners with a separate and additional expanded group of judges. So there is a, there is a decision process that happens on a regional level and then the winners of the regional uh, competitions come to the, to the global gala event. That one happens either in November or this year. We have, we have uh, combined it with a clean tech week mm-hmm. that happened in. We had a week long event in San Francisco. At a number of partnership organizations, and we might do it this year again in February, which is will be February of two thousand eighteen, or or keep it in in um, in November. And. How much money are they competing for? Um, it is actually um, so it's a hundred k, but a significant like it's it's not it's not it's, it's some of it are in uh, in kind services. Mm-hmm. But what's useful about our program? What people are saying it's not as much money as. Uh, the the network and who you get to meet like the the partnerships you they actually had people leave um, because they got introduced to VCs and got funding and they just didn't need the accelerator anymore. Right. So that leads to kind of the next question is uh, do you have capital science sources lined up to fund the the better graduates? I mean, are they are they your sponsors and they're there because they're looking for flow? And good companies to invest in, and we have a strong network mm-hmm. of uh, um, VCs and angels. We don't have like it's not like well, if you're a winner, you get this much money from this investor, right? But it, it is it is true that winning, actually, just participating like really makes a big difference in terms of building the network. Mm-hmm. And yes, many many of our winners do win, but it's not necessarily that you have to be a winner to win. You, you know, like you don't have to be a winner to get funding. Yeah, the, just just by participating you're getting just increased exposure to the network which is worth more than $100,000 for a lot of people. So um so in a in kind of a different vein of thought. So you know, clean tech's a big term. Yes. Uh, you know, how do you how do y'all define clean tech so that certain companies know that actually, you know, I'm not going to qualify. I don't need to waste their time. I mean, what, what's yeah. your so first of all, our definition of clean tech is probably the widest I've seen okay. because. No, people, really, people because will be glad even, to hear that. <laughs> yeah, because even like in cleantech.org, yeah, like their definition is like it's a business that includes significant and high growth industries such as solar, wind, and water purification and biofuels. Well, our definition, just to give you a sense, we have ten verticals, and yes, of course, there is uh, clean energy generation, storage, distribution, efficiency. But we also work with uh, green building, advanced materials, uh, clean or cleaner agriculture, um, green building, uh, air, water, waste. We also work with IT technologies that help with energy savings. So as long as you're as your startup, 
provides a noticeable, a palpable change to the footprint, whether it's chemical, CO2, you know, waste, we definitely reach out to us, talk to us. Clean transportation. Also, let's say we did have a couple of startups that um, like it's anything from cleaner engines to um, there is the, the latest, one of the latest startups had an aftermarket uh, basically like little wind engine for the exhaust pipe mm-hmm. and they generate energy on the exit. And they are talking to a couple of big truck companies that that significantly would, would cut the, the would create energy savings for their for their truck fleets. So it's a very we have a very, very wide definition. Uh, well, that's probably encouraging to a lot of our listeners uh, who you know who are interested. Uh, so, what what is the state of clean tech today? I mean, what are you seeing kind of in like a, the trends of what's being emphasized and what's now being emphasized? Um, so interestingly, I've talked. Um, what seems to be actually true in the last five years is the funding, the venture capital funding was, had dropped in the last five years. Um, it's but most of those numbers, they talk about clean, cleaner energy. What is becoming more and more prominent also, there is, doesn't seem to be a lot of data on it is that, um, water and waste are becoming more of hot topics. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think like if you talk to VC people, actually even at SAPX, mm-hmm. I talked to uh, Chip mm-hmm. of, um, I can't remember his name, I'm sure you do, of the GZA, he one of the speakers. Anyway, he is the venture capitalist, I'll remember his name in a moment, he's a venture capitalist who works a lot with uh, China, mm-hmm. and he says that there is no, like, with all this talk about the clean energy, China is not really interested in that, but we are very interested in water. We, we think that uh, clean energy is sort of artificially pushed, but uh, we definitely will talk about clean water, and I have also talked to other um, venture capitalists. There is interest in clean air and waste. Chip, Ga- Chip Gessner is who you were Exactly. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. He's in Palm Beach and a friend. Um, so you're saying that the capital market for clean techs is evolving uh, and shifting yes. toward you know, water yeah, and I- waste. I think it's sort of um, shifting. There is also, because of the energy, there is interest with all the electric cars. De facto, there is interest in clean transportation. Yes. There is also interest in clean transportation for the um, retrofitting of the old cars. Because... The vast the majority of cars on the road are older anyway. Yes. So. And, and the, like we will not take them off road tomorrow. But they produce a significant. There is also interest in agriculture, and um, also biofuels, biofuels, and um, like cleaner, cleaner manufacturing. So cleaner materials or less waste in production, because a number of corporations are becoming more interested, more and more interested in sustainability. Because I mean, we've talked about it for a long time, but the financial winning 
of the big corporations whose waste stream, you know, basically they don't, they would throw less money out with the waste and or for the, with the thermal waste, you know, whether it's chemicals or thermal waste, like there is, there is a saving to their bottom line, financial bottom line, not just, you know. So do you think that the capital markets are, are truly uh, have shrank their focus on it, or is that just statistical by the way they're capturing the data, which you alluded to the minute? I mean, do, have you seen a drop in funding, or you just think that's uh, the yes, way it's going to be? Yes, there is, there there is, is? a drop in funding. Um, I have seen the data, hold on, by Brookings Institute, mm-hmm. and they it's also confirmed by MIT Energy Initiative, but the numbers that they are looking for is for energy. Right, and so yeah. So for that, I I do believe that in that like the, that market is getting you know solar wind. I wouldn't say that it's getting saturated, but for a long time there was a lot of funding that was going into it, and it's a slow market. And you know how VCs are. Like if there is not a fast return, they right. get less interested. Right. Are you seeing a pickup in angel activity to backfill for that, or no? It's, or, um, or is there not? Well, or there's the, there the much angle? are not the same. Yeah, yeah. smaller um, dollars to begin with. There, there are smaller dollars. Yes, but the plus of an angel is they tend to be a lot more involved. They tend to be what you know people call smart money. They, they have to be a lot more. They tend to be a lot more connected. Not, not, not all of them. Meaning there are a number of VCs that are that way. Sure. But statistically, they are much more involved. So given the quasi-social focus of clean tech, are the return requirements different or because it's – or are they um, the same? Um, so actually it um, it depends on – it depends on the VC. Yeah, there are some organi- there are some organizations that are – that basically are set for what they call concessionary funding. Yes, they are. They are. They are ready to to lose the money, but not all of them. And I have talked to Trevor Nelson, and he works closely with um, Berkshire, mm-hmm. and they have their separate funding that is focused specifically on clean energy, and their returns were twenty to thirty percent. So they are, they're like, well, we are not, we don't think clean tech should be concessionary. We don't think that, and they don't think it's warranted because a number of technologies are really far enough down there. So it doesn't have to be, but to be fair, clean tech, the, one of the features of clean tech is that it's very, a number of, a number of verticals there are heavily in hardware, you know, in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of funding. It also is often um, sort of basic, they, they, they focus in basic technology developments when they start. So uh, it takes time for them, even if it's not manufacturing, validating the technology takes time. But that's why working with an organization like CleanTech Open is of interest to the to the startup with uh, with our strong strong network of um, technology partners. We can actually help you identify, like a validate your technology, b identify in which direction you want to 
pivot your technology or on which specific niche market you'd like to focus? Let's say two years ago, there was um, a winner for us, a French company. I don't remember the name right now, but they were working on it was energy savings, uh, no water savings. It was a like clean agriculture, and they have shifted their niche market to specifically farmers because they can help a farmer identify where exactly on their property the water leak happens, and with how expensive the water was in California in the last, you know, time, and it's it's like it's okay now, but I think it's going to get more expensive again. It was like they got paying customers really fast. Yeah, there was a very cool uh, company at Supex called Skyscision out of Pittsburgh. Which oh had yes, a, yes, we them? talked to them. Yeah, the drone, yes. te- the drone technology. Yes. And basically, they take their drone up and use special software to let f- uh, farmers realize where they're having you know problems in certain areas of their fields that it would be difficult to do on foot, etc. And, and it was yes. it was very cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. And that is like that that is clean tech. Like in mm-hmm. our definition, that's clean tech. Yes, because like it could it could help with like both uh water savings but also if uh, you know, if the, if it's a question of pests for example, mm-hmm. you can save specifically on, you know, anti what is that? Pesticides. Thank you. That's the <laughs> So before we – I want to circle back and talk a little bit more about startups. Where we're talking about capital sources is, again, given the quasi-social focus, is is there a variety of grant money that you guys help people to get out there? Or yes, is that a misconception? We do, um, no, no, no. That is correct. We do – like one is we actually have partners that we, we can like, – so, like most of the time it works the other way as in um, the partners – the startups come to us after the the grant but if you guys if you think that you're too early for us talk to us anyway because we can connect you to a specific either organization like a nonprofit that that come that takes startups in even earlier phases than us or at an organization that would help you like a research institution or a national lab that would help with uh, both technology validation or grant money. Uh, Lawrence National Lab has a program uh, that does it also. CalCEF, with whom we have a strong partnership, has um, has a grant program. As a matter of fact, this year, a number of CalCEF startups have applied with us and a number have been accepted. You mean Lawrence Livermore National Labs? Yes. Is that? Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, and CalCEF is a is a separate organization, but yes, Lawrence Livermore National Labs is one of our partners. Yes, we also have a partnership with Sandia National Lab, and uh, a number more you can see at our website. A number of. So okay. we talked a little bit, or you did a second ago. You're saying you know there's the hardware aspect that's very typical, but of so many clean tech startups, but. Are there other challenges that clean tech startups face that are different than other startups? Yeah, I think one of the most interesting ones is actually the dependence of um, a, a clean tech startup. It, it, of course, depends on the vertical, mm-hmm. but on regulations, yes, because let's say California has a fairly high clean air regulations. 
I think because of that, we were like San Francisco specifically has been one of the um, bigger metropolitan areas for clean tech investment. And apparently the, the second one, according to Brookings Institute, was uh, Boston, is Boston. Uh-huh. But also because the energy regulations change, it's a plus and it's a plus and a minus, right? The startup has to a be aware of it, and b adjust fairly quickly. But also, if they want to expand, yeah, and if they are into water, air, waste, if they want to expand into another state, this is something they need to keep in mind, or if they want to expand internationally. So. I- regulations themselves actually create markets to for these yes. people to come exploit but at the same time it also in other aspects might well, create compliance issues yeah yes yes so, so far there was nothing at least till recently there were no you know like no markets have shrunk mm-hmm. because of the regulation but some are more accepting than others more fertile than others are Success and failure rates for clean tech startups akin to what you'd find in in other verticals, or is it radically different, or is it about the same? No, I most do of them think... fail, <laughs> like all startups. Well, it, yeah, it's actually interesting. <laughs> it, it is true that you know it's well. I, I think partially is uh, maybe they sort of fail before they start. I think there are, there are less startups in the clean tech in even the our wide definition of clean tech, there are less startups. I so mean, is, I that, think, is that partly, sorry to interrupt, but is that partly, you know, there's the statement, you know, the old saying that hardware is hard and so much of it's hardware, it's just so dang hard or? Yeah, I, I do. I do think so. Yes. But it's also, it's very interesting. I think part of it is our societal approach. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all talk about how important, is environment to us, but as a society, you know, our regulations, like we do, we don't necessarily want to pay higher rates for water. Yes. We don't necessarily, like, there is a really interesting um, new book in uh, that was published by New York Times, and they did, um, they did, ra- like, rating of the solutions for the for the uh, climate change mm-hmm. problems, mm-hmm. and one of the things is apparently saving food, like not letting food rot on the fields, is in the top. I think it's on the top twenty solutions that would make the biggest impact. Yet it's still happening. There are a number of startups I do know in California that are saving food anything from um there is one that's called ugly produce Mm -hmm. and uh, apparently they take all the all the agricultural products that are still good but they don't look nice because in a in a safe way or i don't know like in whole foods it has to be pretty enough it has to meet a certain standard of size and and the skin and the shape that would they, so, so the produce that wouldn't make it before the start, startups like that would used to either go into, um, you know, to, to feed for the animal or to just rot. And apparently there is a huge 
is the huge problem with the with the food rotting, and that would still be clean tech. <laughs> I'll have to admit that I'm a latecomer to the organic movement and only started doing it a couple of years ago. And I, when I first started doing it, it was a bit disappointing, the, the difference in the beauty of a non-organic onion and a really organic onion. And it took a while to get used to, uh, you know, the eating the difference, buying the difference, and then, you know, and then I guess quickly realizing that one of the reasons the non-organic is so beautiful is God only knows what's all in it. So Yeah. <laughs> Actually as a as a the plus of the latecomers is you can you can go and just like I, I would highly recommend you can taste the difference. But there is a really interesting TED talk on uh, it's called I think it's called Neurogenesis. I I'll I'll look it up. But the, there is uh, a man who the, who talks a scientist. It's a it's a Google talk, mm -hmm. and he talks about the impact of food on the neuron generation, mm -hmm. and there is a huge difference um, in whether you eat grass fed beef or not, because the um, fat profile of the grass fed beef includes um, significantly higher percentage of omega-3 fatty acids mm -hmm. and non-grass fed doesn't have any at all. So the food that you eat, and that, that one isn't necessarily organic. Yes, it could be grass fed, but not organic, but the impact on your brain can be measured. Interesting. So, you know, we, we talked a little a couple of weeks ago and, you know, came up with some ideas of things to talk about. So, but I'm going to curveball you a little bit as I'm sitting here listening and, and I can, you know, you, you quote so many things that you've read and so much is at the tip of your tongue. It's clearly uh, your work is your passion. How did you get into this, Tatiana? What's your background? Um, so I actually have a degree in nuclear engineering from MIT. And I got into that because I was obsessed with waste, nuclear waste, apparently from the early age. Mm -hmm. um, but at that time, I had to leave the field because I was an international student and didn't have the clearances necessary to work with the nuclear waste because it's weapon-grade plutonium. So one must work, must work with national labs or contractors. Either way, you need a ridiculous amount of clearances. So you mean they I, weren't looking fondly on former residents of the Soviet Union to go into nuclear waste? No, no, no. <laughs> even 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 that long ago, yes. Just a thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so and so, so I went to Silicon Valley yep. and just joined the startup movement and have been a part of that since early two thousand and. And later, I got interested in, like, I ran into Cleantech Open at one of the events. Like, I think I ran into them fairly early in their, I think I ran into them in, like, 2007. Mm -hmm. So it was the second year for them. And one of their co-founders, Mike Santulo, is an MIT grad. And I believe it was originally, the organization was originally co-founded and worked with MIT Energy Initiative and I think also MIT Energy Prize. And um, I volunteered for them. And I think that the impact that they create is significant. And it's also, 
So again, like for me, I think that we as a society in general don't necessarily walk our talk. And um, as a, so as a human, as, as a race, as a species, we tend to only, and I think it's, it's purely biologically genetic. We don't react well as in like not necessarily appropriate to dangers that are removed so something that's happening in the moment right in front of us we have appropriate immediate response if the danger is kind of removed like you know climate change it's not right here it's not right now water shortage well it's kind of here but not exactly here so and i think one of the scientists did a really great example he said i'm often told that my concerns are overrated but we forget that climate change is an exponential kind of problem so like in a in a in a vial when the microbe population doubles every second at 59th second you're still half empty and I think that as a society, we are in this in this state of a little bit of a, you know, blissful denial. Maybe not so blissful, but I think that I think the impact of it is 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 underappreciated, and I think we all can do something. Well, look, I, uh, your interviewer is a. Uh a history major with a very poor undergraduate grade. So uh, having this discussion with a nuclear scientist, uh, uh, I don't come at it probably from the same level of intellect to you, but, you know, most people on the planet are just concerned with their basic human existence on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, it's hard to have foresight about the unseen versus the seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's not, but it's our not leaders, necessarily criticism. No, no, no. But, 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 but you'd expect more of our leaders. Yes, I would expect more of our leaders. But um, one of the things, you know, I, I'm sure as a as a, his, as a historian, you have, uh, I, well, maybe. Um, there's this uh, book by, I believe, Jared Diamond called uh, Collapse, how the civilizations, I think, collapse and survive. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's basically a very, very interesting book. And I do agree that... Um, like we're all like as i said we're we're all focused on the immediate one and it's not like i am that you know there are, there are a lot of things that i should be reacting to and not necessarily you know and it's when we try uh, i I, th- I do think that i would expect more i agree more of our leaders and i do think that financially like the, there is like the difficulty in our society is we do not price things right we do not price the effect on the environment. Like we still live in this um, worldview of the 19th century that the world is huge and you can just dump waste. But I don't know if you know, but the smog that happens in China takes only two days to reach California. We all share the atmosphere. Well, and you could, I mean, by extension, you know... It- the same discussion could be uh, made for, you know, taxing sugar if you want to, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, I high, actually don't high, know. Fruit, I, high fructose corn syrup yes. or, uh, you know, yes. uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, look at the obesity of our society. Yes. So, 
Yes. It's not priced, is your point. It's not priced. Right. I, I agree. In you know healthcare. what's interesting to me? It's not exactly. We have this, um, as a society, we have this modular view on things. And it definitely comes up in medicine, but exactly it comes up in our, I, I don't know if you have seen this movie, uh, Food Inc. I have. And they, you have. So, yeah. yes. So apparently, I think they said like 98.9 or something percent of the food that we have in the in the stores have added sugar. And like most most of it, that sugar is exactly high corn fructose sugar and how much water it takes. And you know what's interesting to me that the same volume by um, like the same the same volume of Coke and water Coke tends to be cheaper. Like in small containers, like how does that happen? Like you add you add chemicals, you add sugar, and then it costs cheaper. But then, like in neither case, talking about not not pricing things right, we do not price the 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 cost of the of the plastic waste, and that's why we have. They say that there is an island the size of two Texas states floating in in the ocean like near gulf stream just like right so oh by the way i so that uh, man the phd doctor that spoke at google his name is brant courtright okay oh this was the so, google talk that you were talking about the earlier. google talk that i yes neurogenesis diet and lifestyle any final thoughts you'd love to share with our audience about clean tech and clean tech open or you know things you know how, how do they, how do they get more involved they find you and how do they do that again um, we would uh, so again my last name it's my, my email is t for Tatiana and then my last name Kletskova, k l e t s k o v a t Kletskova at cleantechopen.org or you know what you can just go to cleantechopen.org find your um your region and we have the emails for all the eighth region we take we take mentors i mean we are very selective about our mentors um so that that is our strength i think that people that are accepted have usually at least a decade of experience in this certain area but you don't have to be a mentor. We gratefully take volunteers. And it is also like if you want to know more about startups, like this year we're taking more interns um, in at least in Western division that would help with the program and provide you knowledge of the, the startup. So whether you want to come as a mentor or you want to talk in advance as a potential future year applicant, or if you'd like to volunteer, or if you're interested in being involved as an investor, you know, and what options you can be offered. And we're always looking for sponsor. Please reach out to us. Again, I'm Tatiana, T-E-T-Y-A-N-A. Tatiana Kletskova at cleantechopen.org. T. Kletskova at cleantechopen.org. Tatiana, you've been a, a great guest. I've been seriously outmatched as a delinquent <laughs> history major who's interviewing a nuclear scientist who now has a passion for clean tech. 
but you're uh, charming enough not to make me feel that way too much as usual. So I, I appreciate your passion and how much you've shared with the audience today and for taking the time to tell them more about the awesome things that y'all are doing. I really had no idea that y'all raised $1.2 billion since 2005. It's really a, a fantastic number. Um, and I hope, uh, hope this helps uh, people find you uh, so y'all can cr- uh, continue to fulfill your mission. I just want to say it's been a pleasure and an honor to be both in a guest on your program and a and, uh, guest at the SOPAX com- uh, your conference. It was an amazing conference. It was really like then the level of guests there was very impressive and I was honored to be a part of it. Thank you. You're very, very, very kind, Tatjana. It's always great to speak to you, and I wish you only the best of success. Thanks for giving it. Thank you very much, Bob. Good night. Thank you. Good night.